What's going on, everybody, and welcome back for another episode of Triggered. This is Triggered episode number 242. We're here on Tuesday, December 8th. Unfortunately, Matt's still sick out today, but today I'm joined by Town Hall's senior writer, the most fearless journalist I know, Julio Rosas. Welcome, Julio. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. And I wouldn't say fearless, more more like stupid. <laughs> Continually going headfirst into chaos, but no, I appreciate the sentiment. Yeah, basically into the Fallujahs of America, but we'll talk about that in a second. First, I wanted to kind of hit on the new developments that have been happening uh, with election results and, and lawsuits going on. So today we had a big case filed to the Supreme Court from Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, basically suing over Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, saying that they ignored federal and state election laws, enacting last-minute changes, which skewed the results of the election. They also argue that uh, the changes that were made are inconsistent with relevant state laws and therefore directly violate the Constitution. I'm curious what your thoughts are on that, and if if you've been following kind of the lawfare game that's been going on in, in the aftermath of this election. Yeah, I mean, look, the, there are, I mean, this this was so predictable in terms of just a mess of the election with the, with the universal mail-in ballots. And yeah, there were rules that were changed at the last minute to get, with the pandemic being uh, the, the excuse to make those rules. Uh, and so, you know, but it, when, you, when you have people you know, when you can go to big box stores, when you can do all that safely, but yet you couldn't have, but yet voting in person was too dangerous. And that's why we had to do uh, universal mail-in ballots in some of these crucial swing states. You know, this doesn't really inspire confidence in, in, the, in, the, in the process. And so I think, you know, my, my whole stance on this has just been, you know, we, we just for the sake of the country and future elections really is just you have to make sure that uh, the, the process was done correctly. And there are certain questions that have been raised uh, about with the way some of these states and localities uh, went about it. And, you know, it just happened to be, uh, you know, Pennsylvania, Georgia, uh, along with some other ones. So uh, I, I'm all for making sure that this was done correctly so that people can have faith in the results uh, whichever they might be, or, uh, and also just making sure that this, 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 you know, this really can't happen again, because the more that this continues, the more, you know, faith or lack of faith that people will have in the election process. And, and so it's just, it's not good for the country. So I'm all for finding those irregularities and making sure that the, the, the counting process and, and the way that people are allowed to vote was, was done correctly. Yeah. And I mean, there's definitely, you know, you know, just as well as I, the the documented cases of irregularities, the statistical improbabilities, the way that the count was done certainly does not inspire confidence. And there's it's showing in public polling now as well that people's opinion of the election, even a lot of Democrats say, you know, this this seems a little bit odd. Uh, I mean, obviously, they're happy that their guys, you know, either won or stole the election, whatever you want to call it at this point. Obviously, at this point in the game, Joe Biden's still in the driver's seat. We haven't really had any groundbreaking court rulings. Uh, we did have the deadline, I guess, this morning it was, that Alito set for Pennsylvania to respond to that uh, that Supreme Court lawsuit. I'm not sure what the result's going to be there. 
but I know that Alito is not too happy with them just blatantly disregarding Supreme Court orders on basically segregating out the mail-in ballots. And it's I found, also found it interesting that Senator Ted Cruz said that if there were to be an argument on that case, he would gladly go to the Supreme Court to essentially represent President Trump. Yeah, and, and again, this this all needs to be figured out just so that this doesn't happen again. I mean, this can't. I mean, this is not sustainable. You can't have repeated national elections where a vast majority, uh, or not a vast majority, but a large uh, segment of the, of the electorate not believing the results. And, and of course, you know, this also goes back to 2016 when people thought that Russia hacked. I mean, there is still a lot of Democrats who believe that Russia hacked voting machines and changed results when there is zero evidence mm-hmm. that that happened. So, I mean, it, it cuts it cuts both ways and it just happens, you know, this, this, it's Republicans turn to kind of <laughs> be wary about that. But again, it's just, if we need to make sure that this was done correctly, this was done legitimately and find out the problems where in cases where it wasn't. And then of course you have the whole thing in Georgia where they said it was a water main break yeah. uh, on election night, but now we found out it was just an over, I believe it was just an overflowing urinal. <laughs> and that is, you know, it's just stuff like that is just not, you, 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 you lose, you lose the credibility, the little credibility that, that they have in the first place. And so, you know, I'd be very interested to see how, if it does reach the Supreme Court, I'd be very interested to see how Ted Cruz uh, goes about, because I guess that would be pretty interesting to, to what he has to say. Um, but in, in either case, I think, again, it's just, it's just vitally important that one, again, I know I keep saying this, but like, we can't have an election like this again. It's just, yeah. it's just too, it's just too dangerous. Um, and it, I mean, this, not, this, election, not, this election is already, I mean, tearing the country apart. Um, right. And, and, yeah. and I think and, and this was and I mean, we could see this all year long, but I think yeah. that no matter which way that this was going to fall, that there was going to be a large segment of the of, of voters who weren't going to believe the outcome. And, and it just happened to be this scenario that, that we find ourselves in. So, yeah. um, again, that, that just speaks to how Democrats uh, have sown the seeds of doubt back in 2015, 2016, and, and the years after that. Exactly. And I mean, in hindsight, is 2020, but I think we should have seen this coming with mail-in ballots and, and really fought harder against it when these states were making these, what I consider to be unconstitutional changes. We'll see what the Supreme Court has to say about that. In Iowa, there's an interesting case of a specific House race the second mm-hmm. congressional district. So the Republican candidate basically won the election. The results have been certified. They did a recount. Um, but now the Democrat is attempting to steal that election. And apparently she's going directly to the U.S. House for further review of this election. What do you think about that? Especially with the background of them you know, saying, Oh, Trump can't, you know, do these lawsuits and this and that. Yeah, again, it's just it's just hypocritical, which is just par for the course for Washington, <laughs> Washington yeah, D.C. So, uh, so, but it's it's just it's just funny that again, and and I think that we have the, the complete one eighty that Democrats have, where again they they truly believe that the election in twenty sixteen was stolen, and we had to do all these investigations and we had to do all these inquiries, which okay, fine. But then when when it's on the other foot, then now it's just like, no, we can't question it, period. Oh, we'll accept this one house race, which even if 
which again, and, and I think one of the reasons why they're she's kind of fighting so hard is just because, you know, this was supposed to be a blue wave yeah. across the board and that just wasn't the case at all. And so I think they're just trying to scrap onto any, you know, just to get that one extra house seat to kind of fortify their already slim majority that they have, because if, if, you know, history tells us anything, you, we're going to have uh, kind of a red wave uh, in the midterms in 2022. Right. And so I, th- I think, th- I think that's one of the reasons why they're trying so hard, but again, it's, it's just funny that, you know, you know, there, you can't question the results, you, you know, all, you know, we can't all, everyone who says this is, is this is a conspiracy theorist. Um, but for this one house race, yeah, let's, let's, let's dig deeper into, into it. Right. And that, well, you're right. There's, they're clinging on to a, a very, very slim majority. You see, there's another house race up in New York. That's very controversial right now and is in the courts, uh, having to do with ballots that were originally disqualified, but then the judge said that they were good. Um, and the Democrat leads by 12 votes, I think in that district. Um, you also have the Arizona Supreme Court taking up a case about potential ballots in Maricopa County that should be disqualified. So there's actually some interesting movements happening with these lawsuits. There was also another lawsuit filed in Georgia that has some pretty damning evidence in it. Um, And I'm not sure whether it's going to get a fair shake or not, but uh, just to inform the the listeners here, uh, there's, there's some interesting movements and I'm not saying that it's going to turn around and, you know, because there's, there's so much that needs to happen for basically, basically the only play now being to try to get Joe Biden below 270 to send it to a house vote. And that's, you know, that's a long shot at best. I'm not sure um, if, you know, with, with all these irregular and, and you know, people are saying that what I will say is that the kind of the, the, the critics uh, of the Trump campaign strategy is, is that they're saying, well, there's no way that some, no one has the resources or the ability to steal a national election. And the idea, and the thing is you don't need to have massive voter fraud on a national scale. You, you'd only need to be in certain areas. Right. Um, but, but with that being said, I, I don't know. And again, that's why we need to look into this is, is I just don't know if there is enough, you know, if there is any uh, enough of the fraud to flip it in, in, Trump, in Trump's favor. So, right. um, but again, but again, we have to look into it just to, just again, just to really certify and see whether or not there was enough in some of these areas. But again, there's just the, there's just this, all, all of a sudden this, this, you can't question the results of the election anymore. Uh, when that's all they did for the past four years. That's the true irony. That's the true irony is that, you know, they take four years to say, oh, the election's rigged. They spend endless time doing sham and bullshit investigations. And now they say, oh, well, you got to get over this. You lost. And I mean, it's only been, what, 35 days since the election. So. Yeah. So I'm just I'm I'm tired of it. Um, I, I want to. I'm not to say that I want to move on, but it's just you—you you, you need to make sure that this was done correctly. But there, there's just resistance to to that, and I, it's just—it it just never ends. It just the, the hypocrisy never ends. Yeah, I mean, especially when you're talking about states that allow these universal mail-in votes have no voter ID law. I mean, the the voter registration rolls are just outdated. They have dead people on them. Um, And finally, last week, Congressman Brian Babin of Texas introduced H.R. 8830, which is known as the, quote, you must be alive to vote act. So (laughs) apparently this is like 
a controversial thing. I would think that it would be something that all Americans would want to see passed, but apparently the, the Democrats say, no, 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 we can't do this. I saw someone tweet uh, shortly after the election that uh, they made a joke about how uh, Trump alienated the uh, World War One veteran voters so much that they all went for for Biden. So I think uh, <laughs> that's that, that's more than I think. I think that's something we can all we should all be behind, and that should pass right away. And the fact that there hasn't been, you know, anything uh, uh, at this level to to address such an issue is kind of kind of a problem, uh, at least in my knowledge. But uh, and so I think it's, it's a good first step to yeah. ensure the integrity of, of the election. Yeah, the way they did the count, I think, was perhaps the most suspicious part of this. And um, I mean, I was up all night that election night watching these returns live and just the way, you know, if you look at a a time chart of the count and you get that abnormal spike, right? Basically a hundred percent go for Joe Biden. That, that doesn't instill any confidence. So there's definitely a lot, a lot of election reforms I think that need to happen here. Um, The other thing that we find out last night, is that uh, serial farter Eric Swalwell is uh, basically has been infiltrated by the Chinese Communist Party. I don't know if you've read up anything on this. Mm-hmm. Um, he basically had a spy hanging around him and had no idea. Meanwhile, Eric Swalwell, one of the people who was like one of the main Russia gators, um, and obviously is a California politician, which. Uh, you've done a decent amount covering California. What do, what do you think about that? Again, I saw this on Twitter and, and this this point being made, and it really does make sense um, when, when you look at it. But the person tweeted that, th- yeah, so Eric Swalwell was this person that was making constant media appearances talking about Russia and Trump was compromised. Uh, he sits on the House Intelligence Committee. And so that's why he gets his, you know, he gets his credentials to say stuff like that, even though, you know, without evidence. And they said that this was used to beat up on an adversary because Russia is an adversary, uh, but it's not the it's not on the same level as China. So you have Eric Swalwell essentially serving as a distraction to talk about Russia when the real threat is China. And then now you have this new thing come about. And I mean, you know, again, there should be I think there should be a lot more looking into this. But you have to see, I mean, it can, you see the dots kind of connecting together with that. Yep. Um, and and I, I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist here, but I mean, this this was a thing that happened. I mean, this, uh, and, and you know, it wasn't just Squalwell, because uh, you have um, uh, Senator Dianne Feinstein. Yep, I was just that, had, it up. Yeah, yeah, had that person in her office who, who essentially was a CCP uh, spy. And so um, it's just very shady. And, and when you look at how... China has reacted to this election and how, and you have that professor who was bragging about how, you know, great now that Trump is out of office and, you know, the, the, the good old boys club is, is now back in power in DC and we have friends in high places. Tucker Carlson did a good segment on this yesterday. Uh, it's very concerning. It is very concerning. And uh, people need to really be aware that yes, you know, again, Russia, keep an eye on them, address them when they need to be addressed, but that's, they, they do not have anywhere near the, the power, the ability to hurt us as a country, the way that China has the ability to. And, and, and so uh, I'm not surprised at all that uh, particular, well, 
someone with the mental acumen of Eric Swalwell <laughs> was was one of the number one targets for for this kind of honey potting. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, and not only did this Chinese spy, you know, do a lot of fundraising for him, she was also sleeping with him, which is, you know, he's a oh was a that was that was that confirmed was that confirmed or I saw that yeah, and he he's a member of the intelligence committee. I mean what do we have going on here? I think when the history books are written, you know, years from now, in that, Mandarin, yeah, basically that this time period of just like fucking absurd obsession with Russia, all the meanwhile, China is becoming a global power. You have obviously the China virus. They have spies up and up and down all levels of uh, academia and potentially government here in the United States. I mean, that, that's a pretty scary aspect to me that especially now that we look at the prospect of Joe Biden coming into office, who we know is a very good friend of China. And they and and the people that he's bringing in for the national security apparatus and DOD, uh, they don't view China as the threat that it is. They view it as more a competitor, uh, which is a very different distinction they view him more as a competitor than as an adversary uh, yep. and that and that is not the right mindset for that in, in my opinion just because when you look at what they do to the uyghurs hong kong uh you know taiwan and and then of course yeah the, the their complete botching of you know letting the, the coronavirus escape and 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 now we have cnn with its quote-unquote breaking news that china lied it's like okay great guys you're like five months you're like eight months behind the rest of the world but you know, congrats exactly um, yeah we knew that back in march thanks cnn <laughs> yeah but but so again that, that doesn't instill confidence in how a potential biden administration will, will handle china and 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 so again we'll have to see what the midterms bring us because then if it is a republican majority hopefully they they can throw some checks uh it, or checks and balances uh to to their approach to, to china but if if that's that if that's the world stage that we're going to be entering with 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 biden and harris it's it's not going to be great for the united states yeah and i think the, so you made a great segue there i want to talk about biden's radical cabinet, which is being termed as, quote, you know, the greatest assembling of all stars in the history of government. Just last night, we find out that Joe Biden is going to nominate General Lloyd Austin to serve as the defense secretary. We have also uh, learned that basically the next health and human services secretary is going to be uh, Xavier Becerra from California, who is very left-wing ra radical. We also have the national security apparatus being announced, uh, his press team. I mean, up and down, it's basically a, a, what they call an all-star list. I would call it an all-star list of swamp creatures. What are your thoughts on where this cabinet is heading? And then also we have, obviously, the Georgia runoffs coming up. What kind of, obviously, pending that result, what kind of nomination fights do you think we're going to see here? I mean, when you have people like, Nira Tandon being nominated to be the director of office of management and budget. What do you think that's going to be like? Oh, geez. Yeah, I, I think, I think that uh, we might see a situation where if it is a Republican controlled house, uh, I think we'll see a situation where they might just be in an acting capacity, similar to the way that Trump has done that just because, yeah, a lot of these picks are very, very right. Cause when you look at, 
you know, Becerra being picked as health and human services secretary, you know, he's an attorney general. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, well, wh- well, what is his qualification for that? Well, you know, you look at, well, he championed the Affordable Care Act. And then, of course, he did the whole thing with Planned Parenthood and, and, and you know, abortion and, and all that. So I think um, they'll have an uphill battle with some of these picks if it is a Republican Senate, which we'll see, we'll see after January. Right. Um, I, I, I think, uh, you know, obviously, no matter no matter who Biden picks, Republicans are going to be happy with, 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 with what he fills with some of the posts. Uh, and then, and, but then you have General Austin uh, that you meant for DOD. Well, he, he went, when he retired, he went right to Raytheon. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and the, again, that gives weight and credit to what Trump had said a while ago about generals wanting to <laughs> wars to continue because then they can leave and line their pockets with uh with some of their lofty posts and of course you know people were saying oh that's nonsense and that that's you're attacking the military again uh but then and the, but then now you you have this pick and it's almost the exact same thing and, and i will say that that was one of the critics criticisms for general mattis when he was picked uh for secretary of defense yeah, I mean, when Trump when Trump called it the military industrial complex, you know, everyone freaked out, and I'm like, well, it's it's know, kind of true exactly. it, uh, <laughs> for 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 the top brass at least. Obviously, not for the regular enlisted, like you know, such as myself. Right. But that that, that is kind of the the dirty secret. And look, honestly, I mean, and for them, obviously, it makes sense because they've worked in the military. They're dealing with they've dealt with them probably within their high within their commands and, and, and what have you. And so, you know, that's easy money. That's great money for them. So, but, but then when you have them coming back and this just, this revolving door that we have, yeah, you, you can see why that, yes, there is such thing as military <laughs> industrial complex and they yeah. have, they have an incentive for these wars in Iraq uh, and Afghanistan or, or not, not necessarily, it's not necessarily wars, but this, this prolonged conflict to continue. Yeah, the permanent um, presence. Right, right. I mean, it's it, it, we're not. It's not. It's not like a full-on kinetic war, but it is a conflict. These right. these continued conflict that we're that we're continuing to be involved in. And and uh, for me, I, I kind of view it as I hear a lot. For, uh, I hear a lot of my military friends and veterans who did who actually did serve overseas, and they're completely fed up with it. And because obviously the argument is, well if we leave and all the work that we did will be undone, which is true. But now it's just reached a point where it's just not even worth it anymore. And that's why there's a lot of that sentiment within veterans of Iraq and, and, and Afghanistan. So it will be interesting to see if Trump will be able to, uh, or he goes forward with his plan to really reduce the troop numbers before he leaves office, because mm-hmm. then that will see how Biden, if Biden puts him back, Yep. which is something that if Trump wants to run again in 2024, he can absolutely use <laughs> to say, I pulled him out and he put him right back. So guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to pull right back out again. So um, I, in terms of the cabinet, to kind of go back into that, they'll certainly have an uphill battle with some of the <laughs> Nina Tanner <laughs> for, for OMB director. I mean, geez, that, that, I mean, she, it, you know, you have her deleting her tweets uh, criticizing the senators who she needs a confirmation phone. Uh, I think that's, a, that's off to a great start. Yeah. I think of anyone, she probably faces the least likely confirmation because 
the Republican senators who she attacked are pretty uh, intent on not confirming her. I've actually also heard some rumblings from Democrats that they're not too thrilled with that pick. You know, I think General Austin, he might be a good guy. He's going to require a waiver to be yep. uh, the the D, uh, Department of Defense Secretary because he doesn't have the requisite, I think, seven years outside yep. of the forces. You know, I, he doesn't seem as too much of a controversial pick to me, although Democrats are pushing back that he's not adequately a civilian to lead the department. I think it was a little bit different with uh, General Mattis because he was a known quantity, like everybody knows Mad Dog, but um, I don't I don't think, I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what happens there. He actually probably is the least of my concerns on this list of crazy people that are being brought into this administration, especially when, when you have people like uh, Jen Psaki, um, you have John Kerry, who's going to be the climate czar. I'm like, okay, I prefer not to have czars in our government because that's kind of <laughs> not what we're supposed to be doing here. Um, Mr. I can't ride a bike and I ran nuclear deal. But overall, it's very clear that the globalists and the warmongers are going to be back in charge should Biden take office. Right. And, and, and the, the Washington Post headline, well, I, I'm trying to remember it, but it was basically, you know, make uh, rubbing elbows great again in yeah. D.C., which is which is exactly what Trump was talking. And that, that's why he got into office in the first place, saying that there's there's too much of this good buddy buddy. And, and again, referring to that Chinese professor talking about, yeah, this is great because we can uh, canoodle with each other in, in the same power circles once again, because they're back. They're going to be back in power. And this is exactly. I mean, this is what was going to happen. This is, and that's why Trump was running, saying that if I lose, this is we're going to see a return to the swamp, uh, in 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 that regard. So um, he was right with that, and um, it, it will be. It's just going to be the good old uh, power, you know, power uh, structure that that we saw during the Obama during during the establishment. Yep, um, basically and, and, Obama term three, which you know, which yeah, and and then and then of course you also have you know Biden now trying to face, uh, facing from progressives that oh he needs a he needs a woman he needs a black woman he needs yeah you know, all these different minorities and it's just it's just like well, can we ensure that they're competent right it's <laughs> like, can, we, can, can we it's the diversity Olympics you know they don't they don't worry about qualifications or skill sets it's can we check off this box or that box which is what kills me right. Um, so I want to switch angles here for a minute uh, to law and order, because obviously you spent a good majority of this year going to our war-torn cities. <laughs> um, and now you have a DA in Los Angeles who mm. is basically taking the law and shredding it, deciding that uh, a good amount of crimes will be declined for prosecution, such as trespassing, disturbing the peace, driving without a license, prostitution, criminal threats, drug possession, uh, minor with alcohol, drinking in public, public intoxication, loitering, resisting arrest, which was one that I found most interesting um, under the influence of a controlled substance. He's also completely doing away with cash bail, the death penalty, all sentencing enhancements. What are your thoughts on what that's going to do to LA County, which I believe your mom is a resident of, if I recall correctly. Yeah, yeah. So I actually I just came back from from Los Angeles, and uh, I I spent most of uh, my time 
uh, traveling out there, going to the anti-lockdown uh, protests mm-hmm. and, and, and opposition to that. And so uh, Los Angeles is screwed, essentially, because on top of I, I kind of get the idea behind it where you, you're not unnecessarily prosecuting people for kind of minor stuff, but it, it, it builds up over time and it, it just, it just comes at a really bad moment. Well, one Los Angeles County reached while I was out there, they reached 300 homicides from, from guns for the first time in a while. So gun crime is up. Uh, other crime is up. And so now you have a uh, defunded police force or a, uh, a less equipped police force. Cause they had to shut down uh, a few units, such as like the animal cruelty unit uh, a few a few other a few other uh, LAPD uh, I'm talking about mm-hmm. so you, you you have you have that in combination now with a new DA who's saying that we're not going to prosecute these certain crimes so um, I don't I just, that just that just not has a spell of recipe for success and you know I hope I'm wrong because you know innocent people are going to be hurt as a result of that but if if anything has told us from this past summer is when you bow to the mob nothing good is going to come of that and and people were making jokes that you're more likely to be arrested and thrown in jail for opening up your business when you when you've been closed for you know because of coronavirus as opposed to now the these crimes that <laughs> that are slightly more serious than trying to feed you uh keep your livelihood and keep your employees uh fed and housed their priorities at least are completely messed up because now you have you have people wanting to use the police uh, to enforce the COVID uh, restrictions that are in place. And, and thankfully um, there is some common sense within the law enforcement community out there. Uh, the, uh, the Los Angeles County Sheriff has said he's not going to use his deputies yeah, to focus, to focus on COVID uh, violations. Instead, he's going to focus on more super spreader events. And um, there's like stuff like underground parties that, that he's like targeting. Uh, and so, and it's not just him. The, the Riverside County, uh, Orange County, uh, all, all, all these, all these sheriffs. So, <laughs> so that, that that's kind of a good start. But, but unfortunately, it's an uphill battle for them because they can only do so much within their jurisdictions and within the the powers that they have. Um, and, and and so, with that being said, just just from my travels and in my experience, I don't, I don't think when you have a more depleted police force. Uh, with them not being able to go after certain criminals because the DA won't even bother to look at them, um, that I don't think that's that has a recipe for for success in bringing down uh, the crime because it, it 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 builds on top of each other. Yep, it just and, creates a culture of lawlessness. I mean, right. you know, how far can you go with saying, "Oh, we're gonna pick and choose what we're enforcing here." These are laws that are on the books, right? Like if you if you want to change the laws, okay, do that through the proper process. But you can't just say, oh, you know, like resisting arrest, we're not going to enforce that. I mean, that put that puts cops in crazy amounts of danger. And you were in cities all through the summer where the cops couldn't even keep a handle on things. Now they're going to have their hands tied behind their backs even more. Yeah, and 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 that's what I was saying that there the, the if anything the summer has showed us is just just how fragile society in general um because yep. we live we live in a society 
<laughs> but it just shows how fragile it is. And all it takes is just, you know, a little push to just get things going and just to have complete absolute anarchy. Saw it in Minneapolis, saw it in Kenosha, and saw it to a little extent in Louisville, Wauwatosa, Wisconsin. And, and so um, this, and, and then now we're going to have, or it looks like now we're going to have a presidential administration that's going to be more than happy to go along with that type of policing as opposed to more of a strict law and order stance that we saw with, with Trump, that's not good. <laughs> that, yeah. that, that's not, that's, that's not good. And that's you know, big, with all- that's a big concern of mine is that without a law and order president there to back these law enforcement officers up, I mean, you know, the saying goes, I think it's the only thing standing between society and chaos is the thin blue line. I mean, how much can those guys actually do and women? Right. And, and I think that what, what really needs to happen is just people need to understand that uh, the, the severe consequences when riots break out and there, there's just not enough focus on the aftermath in places like Kenosha or even Minneapolis, where Minneapolis crime has just absolutely soared. The police force has seen is at the lowest levels it's been uh, in a very long time. And so it, innocent people you know this all started with with george floyd Mm -hmm. and in cases like jacob blake and well you know we can look into those cases and you know see if justice can be delivered for for whatever side but innocent people who had nothing to do with it get hurt in very extreme cases as a result of people taking advantage and using that anger uh in wrong ways and i i think that that's just not talked about enough and it's just it's it's just hard to see that being repeated it, it was hard to see that just being repeated over and over again in all these different places that that, that town hall uh was able to send me to so uh it in terms of a law and order uh in these next four years or two years depending on how the midterms go um i'm not really hopeful yep which is, which is i mean i mean and that's just that's just how it is i'm, I'm well, just not i'm not optimistic about it it's always one side, right? You know, why'd they have to board up these cities for the election? And then there was, oh my gosh, yeah. because their guy won. I mean, you know. I, I, I was so upset seeing all the takes saying uh, before the election saying, oh, can you believe that this is Trump's America? And it's just, and I, and I wrote, I wrote this for us afterwards saying, because I was outside the White House on election night. And in case of a Trump win, I was wearing my body armor. I had my ballistic helmet. I had my gas mask. You know, all the stuff I would take to a riot, because if Trump won, I was, you know, I was expecting for people to riot. But that's not what happened. Instead, it looked so. You know, when it when Biden was declared the winner on Saturday, there wasn't riots. There was parties. Um, you know, and and so that that just proves that we didn't have to be concerned about Trump supporters rioting. We had to be concerned about the Biden supporters rioting. Yeah. And, and I knew that because I'd seen, I, you know, I didn't see people in MAGA hats leading the charge in these riots in all these places I went to for the past six months. Yep. So the, just the, seeing those takes over and over again just, just really upset me because it, it just wasn't true at all. Um, and, and I was prepared for a riot on election night and it wasn't because of Trump supporters. It would be because of Biden supporters. Right. And the Trump supporters were the ones being targeted in many of these places. Um, and, you know, 
I, I think it's very clear why a record number of Americans are running to the gun stores to buy guns and buy ammo because they, they want to take their safety into their own hands. You know, when you have a riot situation developing in your neighborhood, you can't rely on calling the police. I mean, we've seen it time and time again, especially in places like Philadelphia and Minneapolis and, and, and cities like that. Yeah. So it will, again, we'll just have to see. And, and I've, I've said this before that, so now that it is uh, going to be, it looks to be a Biden presidency, riots have slowed down, um, but there will be, because it's just, this is just a big country, there will continue to be cases where uh, an officer shoots a black person or kills a black person somehow. And it doesn't matter what it doesn't matter what the circumstances are. There will be instances where riots will break out. And so it will be interesting to see how a Biden administration approaches that. And then, of course, it also depends on where, because if if it's in a city uh, that defunded its police force, it, it will get worse before it gets better. And, and that's just and that and that, unfortunately, again, you have to focus on the victims of riots because most, if not all, of that had nothing to do with what sparked them in the first place. And so, um, people getting hurt, right? And, and and like I said, it's just, it's just it's just sad to see people who had nothing to do with it have their lives destroyed, or in some cases, be killed, uh, like with David Dorn and uh, in, in St. Louis. So um, I, I've said it before, but I'm just not optimistic with when it comes to when when it's going to come to these types of situations, but. Uh, if they do happen, you can be sh- stress assured that uh, Town Hall will have on the ground coverage. Yep, we'll be sending you into more Fallujahs. So. <laughs> so while you were in California, you did some great reporting on the lockdowns, the COVID lockdowns that are going on there. You know, we have now today uh, in a tentative ruling, the judge and says L.A. County acted arbitrarily on the outdoor dining ban. And you have the White House COVID testing czar saying there's no science behind shutting down outdoor dining. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Shark Tank, but one of the guys from Shark Tank, I think uh, Kevin went on to CNBC and was like, why can't I have outdoor dining, which I've spent significant money to put on, but this big box retailer across the street can operate indoors just fine. Uh, I think that's the, the biggest issue here is the hypocrisy. And of course, you have the governor of California who uh, says rules for thee, but not for for me. What what was the reaction of the people on the ground there, and and overall, what's the situation that was going on in California? Yeah, I mean, there they uh, the the hypocrisy with Newsom's uh, dinner at the French Laundry really pushed people over the edge yep. to really step up their. Uh, resistance to it, to, to be outspoken about it. Because uh, Angela Marsden, who went, was in that viral video showing that her uh, outdoor dining was was banned, but the, literally right next to her, the entertainment studio's outdoor dining for its cast and crew was still set up because they were labeled as essential. I interviewed her a week before at a different protest outside the LA County Public Health Director's home. Uh, and she's not even a medical doctor. She is. A, she has a PhD in social welfare. <laughs> um, so basically, so basically, just a social justice warrior education on steroids. And 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 she said she told me that that she had never been protesting before, but because uh, doctor uh, that that health director just 
did it out of nowhere and gave about two days notice before Thanksgiving, it, it, it was enough. She, she said someone had to do something because it, it's not, it's not just about being able to go to a bar or sit down and eat, right? Uh, these are people's livelihoods. They survived the riots only mm -hmm. to now be destroyed by these lockdowns that are not based in science. Uh, there, there is no evidence out there that shows that eating outdoors, especially in a warm, sunny place like California, right, is going to be the, a super spreader event. Uh, and so this and, the, and this is coming from the same party that tells us that we have to follow, you know, Republicans don't follow the science on X, Y, and Z. And yet when it comes to COVID, they, they, it's very much a pick and choose on, on whether or not they want to quote unquote adhere to the science. So Angela then had a pro led a protest, organized a protest outside the LA County Supervisor's uh, Sheila Cool's home because uh, she, uh, the, the supervisor, voted to ban outdoor dining because she said it was just so dangerous. And then hours after she voted for that, she then went to her favorite restaurant in Santa Monica to eat outdoors. And, and, and when she was caught, she was saying, oh, well, I wanted to deliver the news in person and I wanted to eat one last time because uh, she said that, yeah, these people were going to lose business. And it's like, right, because of your decision to, to, to do that. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's just, it's just mind boggling that, that these people continue to push these policies and then do a 180 and do it themselves. Uh, and then, you know, of course, for Thanksgiving, you had the Denver mayor traveling out 30 minutes after he tweeted to stay at home. You had the awesome mayor who went down to his timeshare in Cabo after he hosted, <laughs> after he hosted a, a wedding for his daughter, which yeah. had multiple guests. I mean, just it's 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 just infuriating and it's going to push people over the edge. And and if this continues, especially for the Christmas season now, since that's kind of the next big holiday that i'm sure that these same people will tell us that we have to stay home oh, they really um are. yeah exactly and and they well i i'm looking forward to seeing who who is going to be caught next for for the christmas if I, for saying that you can't travel for christmas but they're going to go someplace for 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 that season my money would probably be on some more uh california politicians but yeah. but anyway so yeah the people they're fed up uh there there is uh a lot of resistance within some of the businesses uh, who say that they'll continue doing outdoor dining and, and we'll see, you know, hopefully they'll survive the fines and the revoke the, uh, the public health inspectors revoking their licenses. So it, it is kind of good news that, that there is kind of an injunction on, on that because they did act arbitrarily because there's, again, there's just no evidence to say that outdoor dining is, is inherently dangerous. And, and of course the, pro the problem with it, so as I mentioned before, I did travel for Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I did that just because uh, I wanted to see my family out there. And I don't take the stay at home warnings from these politicians who had no issue with either encouraging or participating in the mass gatherings of uh, 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 you know, the BLM protests that we saw this summer. Exactly. And it's just like, okay, so so you're more than happy to tweet out your support or like Mayor Eric Garcetti uh, was there maskless. You're, you know, so you're, you're more than happy to do that. But now you're going to tell me that I can't see my own family. 
It's like, no, sorry, that it doesn't work that way. Fuck off. Exactly. <laughs> it, totally it, it, it just absolutely enraged me. And yeah, and, and like I can go there and cover it with all these people mingling around, and, and, and I'm so tired of people saying, well, they're wearing masks. It's like, okay, first of all, they're wearing the same mask for mm-hmm. hours on end in the summer heat. So they're sweating, they're singing, they're chanting, they're shouting. Half the time they would pull their mask down to shout. Yep. Um, or, or, you know, and get in the cops' faces. Uh, again, half the time, either with their nose exposed or, or with their mouth exposed. Um, so you know, how effective are those masks if they're sweat-soaked because they didn't change them out for hours on end while they're marching and, and running and doing drum dance circles? And it's just, no, I'm sorry. You, you can't expect me to follow the stay-at-home stuff when you had no issue with the rioters or the protesters violating the basic tenets of, of coronavirus guidelines. Like that, that does not work that way. I'm sorry. Exactly. And I mean, there's, there's huge issue. I mean, we have the, the bar up in uh, Staten Island in New York. We have, uh, I mean, Joe Biden, who says he has this great plan to get America, you know, to build back better to use his stupid fucking phrase. (laughs) And his plan is essentially, Oh, everyone should wear a mask. And I'm like, everybody knows they should wear a mask, Joe. What and they're doing it already. I mean, right. they're talking about and if it was yeah, so doing a national, yeah. Right. If it was so effective, we wouldn't have these spikes. <laughs> I mean, like, wh- wh- what alternate reality are these people living in? They thought that, oh, we're going to elect Joe Biden. You know, it's like Obama. He's going to stop the rise of the seas and heal the world. It's just so ridiculous. And a huge, a huge debate here over money. Uh, in Congress, where the Democrats are still blocking any COVID-19 relief bills. And in California, I just saw yesterday that Newsom is spending $80 million of taxpayer money for a uh, basically a PR campaign to tell people to wear fucking masks. I'm like, everybody knows to wear a mask. You could take that $80 million and give $100,000 of bailout money to 80 restaurants and save 80 businesses and thousands of jobs. I mean, the way they're doing this is just so unbelievable. And you're seeing an unprecedented transfer of wealth from small businesses in this country to large corporations. And I think that at the end of the day is going to be one of the most lasting effects of the pandemic. Right. And actually one of the, one of the uh, business owners that I, that I talked to, uh, he, he raised that very point or he said it was basically corporatism yep. because when you, when you talk about takeout and uh, takeout and delivery, well, it, most of them go through the third party apps, you know, Grubhub, uh, Uber Eats, what have you, Postmates. Uh, they, he said that they take 30 cents on every dollar yeah. uh, of that, of that order. And, and he's in his words, and it all goes back to Silicon Valley. And, and, and that's just, that's just one example of, of these lockdown, again, these arbitrary lockdown orders benefiting big major corporations. And, and so it very much is, uh, people are only going to take so much of it. And, you know, uh, and I really hope that they resist some of these, you know, stupid policies in peaceful ways. You know, if, if they tell you to shut down your outdoor dining, just don't. (laughs) <laughs> because it's not it's just it, there's it's not inherently dangerous and actually that same business owner uh, uh he's the owner of slapfish uh seafood restaurant he he said that he was he was actually happy that uh governor newsom did that dinner at the french laundry because it shows that yeah it's not that dangerous because exactly. if it was so dangerous he wouldn't have done it 
And, and a common sentiment that, that I heard was just that I will start acting that this is a major crisis once the people in power also start acting like it's a major crisis in their personal lives, not just what they're saying uh, or tweeting or, or, you know, posting or whatever. So um, I'm not, I'm not saying that COVID-19 is not a serious thing. It is, but we're, we're month eight now and we know so much, I mean, vaccines aside, we know so much more about it than we did back in March. We know ways to live with it and go around it and mitigate the, the spread and the risk. So let, let's let's do that. Like, why are we going back to March type level edicts? Well, yeah, um, not to mention that just here in Virginia, you have data that came out that 75% of the cases are from household spread. So you're right. putting people, you know, on quote unquote lockdown at their homes, which is accounting for three quarters of the spread. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and so I think that it's not scientific. It's not based in science, the, these new orders. Like I, I understand the, the very concern and bewilderment at the beginning because we didn't know much about it. Thanks, China. And thanks, WHO, for that. Which, by but, the way, Joe Biden wants to rejoin. Oh, jeez. Yeah. And, and so... But like I said, we, we eat, again, vaccines aside, we have so many better treatment options than we did back in April and May. Uh, so you, you, that's why the survivability rate is much better than it was uh, at, the, at the very beginning. So um, just it's, it's the people who, again, the hypocrisy of people telling us to follow the science on X, Y, and Z, all of a sudden just throw science and, and data out the window uh, because they're power hungry. I mean, I mean, that's, that's all they, that, I mean, that's basically what it is. It's just that they're, they're power hungry. They don't want to give up their power. They're more than happy to destroy people's lives. Uh, but we're all in this together, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, that's the most ridiculous <laughs> line of it all. <laughs> I, I, I'm so, I'm so tired of hearing. I, I was so tired of hearing about that back in May because clearly even then we, we was like, no, we're not all in this together. Yeah, <laughs> you that, can't, you can't. And, that and build back better. The two mm-hmm. most stupid fucking lines of the year. That doesn't, um, that doesn't that barely makes sense, but whatever. Yeah, well, it's become like a globalist mantra now. I don't know if you've noticed that a lot of people have uh, adopted that across the world. Um, it's it's kind of weird, but uh, not to get too conspiratorial. Um, last, before I move off of COVID here, I wanted to get your take because yesterday President Trump uh, basically said that he's going to sign an executive order that ensures all Americans have access to the vaccine before the vaccine is sent out around the world. Uh, of course, it's an America first approach, which is the Trump doctrine, essentially. Somehow, mm-hmm. this is a controversial thing. Uh, I just kind of wanted to get your take on that. I mean, if China, you know, started, uh, you know, this pandemic because they did by allowing it to escape uh, and it's an American vaccine that helps end the pandemic. I mean, I think we should stand to benefit uh, of our research <laughs> and, and the work that we put into it. I mean, like me personally, I think that it's it's good that, you know, I'm not saying say screw the rest of the world, but I mean, it, if we create a vaccine, then we uh, we should be able to at bare minimum, you know, help the people who are most at risk uh, of dying of it, which is our elderly and people with pre-existing conditions. Uh, and again, I'm not saying that we can't help the rest of the world, but I think an America first approach is, is I'm fine with that. I don't <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I can't believe that it's even a controversial thing. Like, we're the ones that developed the vaccine. And 
you have people in Joe Biden's incoming health team, uh, like Zeke Emanuel on the COVID team, which he has a whole litany of past issues with him. But he's basically said that, no, 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 there needs to be a, quote, equitable distribution of the vaccine, if, even if that includes not giving the vaccine to some Americans and sending it worldwide first. So that's going to become a, a, a big flashpoint, I think, for the first part of, of the Biden administration when, when that comes to bear in January. Right, right. And and uh, it's it, we're going to go and, and it's a preview on how it's going to be once again an America last type yep. of foreign foreign policy approach, which I don't think people will take too kindly. Like, like I said, at, at the bare minimum, at least have the essential workers, you know, frontline health workers, people who are most at risk, you know, they should get it um, because I mean, if it's here, if it's at home, they should have access to it because <laughs> exactly. we developed it. Our people developed it. So I, I, I don't see I'm fine with that. Yep. And, and good segue there, bringing up America last, because two quick things before we wrap up, I wanted to ask you about. So you've obviously also done a lot of reporting from the border. We know yeah. that uh, not only Joe Biden, but the two Democrats running in the Georgia runoffs are essentially uh, immigration radicals. Just John Ossoff, I think, is endorsed by Julian Castro, who believes that uh, Section 1325 should be revoked, which makes illegal immigration a federal crime. What do you think is going to happen with immigration when, uh, when, and I guess you could say if, but when Joe Biden becomes president? Because uh, you already see uh, some rumors about the border being rushed by people now that they're going to essentially stop detention and, for, and reenact catch and release. Oh, it's going to be an absolute disaster if they move forward with some of the things that, that have been pitched, which uh, includes stopping border wall construction, mm-hmm. um, stopping the Remain in Mexico policy. Uh, for it, it, it's gonna, I, I, I asked uh, acting commissioner, uh, border patrol commissioner, uh, Mark Morgan about this, and he said that we're gonna. He said that the the immigration crisis that we saw back in 2018 with the migrant caravans, that's gonna pale in comparison to the crisis that we will see if they go forward with a, with some of these changes. Um, I mean, this 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 is just insane. That I mean, some of the uh, immigration uh, groups want not not only want the border wall to stop being built, but they want the new sections to be torn down. Yeah, that has already been built. And 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 I I saw just the vast difference uh, between the new border wall system and the old border wall system. And it wasn't even a wall; um, it was a barbed wire fencing, but anti-vehicle barriers that could be easily cut through mm-hmm. uh, in in these in, in the El Paso sector. And, and it's just stunning. I mean, the, the difference is, is just, it's unbelievable. And it's just kind of silly, like really like this barbed wire was our, is, is our international border seriously. Yep. Um, and so even putting the border wall aside, um, yeah. Putting catch and release back essentially what it is. I mean, that, that is not going to bode well for, uh, for, for the American immigration system. And so, if they do move forward with some of the these ideas that that people want, um, it, we're, we are going to see another immigration crisis because, yeah, it, uh, as 
Commissioner Morgan said, it's going to it's going to advertise and it's going to signal to all these other immigrants that have been waiting or wanting to, but know that they're not going to be able to get anywhere. Well, now all of a sudden you're going to see this this massive influx uh, that will overshadow uh, what we saw in 20 at the end of 2018. And I can't believe that right now in a period of, you know, major economic distress here with Americans losing their jobs, they're basically saying, oh, yeah, come on in. We, we got plenty of room. Um, I, that, that really rubs me the wrong way. Um, and I think a lot of Americans feel that way, too, which, you know, immigration was part of the reason that President Trump was elected in the first place. I also think another thing that's really going to put us in significant uh, way of danger is going to be they're pretty clear about they're going to revoke the travel ban on uh, the terrorist designated nations. Um, and that that's very concerning to me. And, and what I think, uh, and, and this was talked about uh, right after the election, but you look at how the border counties voted mm-hmm. and you see these, these once blue districts that are of a you know, majority Latino population that went with Obama this recent election, they went with Trump. And yes, being you, by like you, 30 points. Right. And, and you'd think that if Trump was indeed the genocidal racist of Latinos <laughs> that, that, that he was being portrayed as that it, with, his, with his immigration policies, you'd think that those places would remain blue. But that's not what we saw at all. Because believe it or not, people that live on the border or near it want a strong border. Like they don't want just anybody being able to cross it. And oh, and it's, it's really hard for Democrats to call them racist because those voters are Latino. That some of them are immigrants themselves, and and so I think we will continue to see that pushback from from those areas again. And it's just going to dumbfound uh, the Democrats and the media class. Uh, and, and we already saw it already because you had Nic- uh, Nicole Hannah Jones trying to say, "Well, Latinos are you know they're they're not really." uh the minorities that they once were because you know they're they, they have such this and that basically just trying to dismiss their brownness because they went with trump yeah it's essentially uh, another variation of you ain't black it, it, right right you ain't brown and so <laughs> i i think if so yeah if they continue if they're going to undo or try to undo uh, some of the immigration stuff that that uh trump did uh we will see those areas turn redder which will be really fun to watch the reaction to, to that. Yep. It's going to be interesting. Well, Julio, thank you so much for uh, giving me so much of your time today. I appreciate it. And of course you can find all of Julio's work at townhall.com. It's just excellent reporting on the ground and everything that's going on. Um, we'll of course have you going out somewhere. I'm sure sometime soon when the crazies are at it again, but uh, thanks again, Julio. Appreciate it. Yeah, of course. I'm glad to be on. And if you'd like to reach out to us here at Triggered, email us triggered at townhall.com. We will be back here on Thursday for another episode of Triggered. See you then.